Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children's ministry leaders. We are dedicating to showing how theological study and biblical application impact the discipleship of children. As always, we're hosted by myself, Pastor Tony Tresoni, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland, as well as Ben Palas, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. In this episode, we are joined by Sherry and Frank, who are Christians who work with the hearing impaired and deaf all across the globe. We will be primarily talking with uh, talking with Sherry. But as Sherry is deaf, her husband Frank will be speaking out her answers. We hope this episode is a special encouragement to all of those who are raising uniquely challenged servants of God in the church as well as in the home. We also want to apologize for the sound quality in this episode as we experienced a myriad of technological issues. But nonetheless, we hope you're able to listen and be blessed by the podcast. Well, thank you for joining us, Sherry and Frank. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves, who you are, and how the Lord is using you? Do you think of yourself as being handicapped or disabled, Sherry? First off, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm deaf. I was born deaf. I'm from the South. Mac and cheese. Tennessee. Tennessee. All right. I grew up deaf. My family... We're all hearing. My family are all believers. Of course, we went to church every Sunday. Of course, understanding, a lot of my time was spent going back and forth to the school for the deaf, the residential school for the deaf, where I stayed during the week. Weekends, I'd come home. I'd be back and forth from the school as well as being home. And I grew up that way. Aunts and uncles. I was involved with Sunday school. A lot of relationships. Until I was about age 14, when I started learning more about Jesus, but I was starting understanding more because I was at the school for the deaf. And at that time, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and uh, it was very clear to me. Of course, I continued to, to seek. Now understand, I've got a twin sister. She's hearing, and I'm deaf. And I kept asking the Lord, Lord, why am I deaf? And I considered this studied my Bible, until it finally came to me in a story from John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, and it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents then, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And well, that story really hit me. And then I realized God made me for his glory. And that I could accept. And I could serve him. Family helped me. My deaf friends, other believers that were older, they helped me. Family at church, the pastor. It was all, I also went to a church where the pastor could sign. And then later on, as I got into college, I was involved with the Baptist Student Union. That's what it was called back then. And that really opened up more and more opportunities to me. An opportunity to serve as a U.S. tube worker in Maryland. And it was hard. But God continued to train me and prepare me for future service, for something I wasn't quite sure. And then I met Frank in Maryland. He was also interested in missions. And that's how we 
got connected, and we were married. And it seemed the Lord was opening up the door to serve internationally. So that's how we connected with other deaf people. That's what we do now. We go to other places. We've been on the field for about 15 years now. The word handicapped is something that's not really a popular word, popular word in the deaf community. But of course that word shows up quite a bit. You know, hearing impaired or hearing challenged. A lot of phrases are used for handicapped. You know, oftentimes a lot of hearing people refer to us as handicapped, disabled. But that's not a part of my vocabulary. Impaired has the concept of it something being broken. I'm not broken. So when people refer to me as being impaired, I sort of laugh at that because I'm not impaired. I'm not handicapped. I'm just like everybody else. But I'm deaf. And that's who I am. That's my identity. My experiences are as a deaf woman. That's who I am. And that's who God has made me to be. So, Sherry, what was it like growing up as the only deaf member of your family? My parents didn't realize I was, I was, realize I was deaf until I was about two years' age. Uh-huh. My parents at that point were you know, trying to get my attention. Oftentimes, I'd always cue off of my sister. If it's a call, my sister would look, and then I'd cue off of that, and they thought I was just like everybody else. Then I was by myself. They realized I was deaf. That's when they started doing oral and oral training with me ever since I was that until I was about ages four and five. Of course, around the house, they put labels on everything, T-A-B-L-E, B-E-S-K. For family life, I was always an equal among my siblings. There was another idea, oh, she's deaf, shame, that's too bad. No, nope. we played, we fought, we did all kinds of things together. We were brothers and sisters. We were and he just different words, labeling, everything, so I could uh, connect the word with an object. And of course, I was also learning to pass uh, notes back and forth. But then at age six, I started going to the deaf school. And then I started learning signs. Of course, I'd be home on the weekends. I was just like everybody else. We fought, played. We had a big time together, siblings growing up. I had a great childhood. Most people uh, can't identify with your situation, but to hear uh, that it, in many ways it was not a, it was a normal childhood and you enjoyed your, your growing up years. Um, yes, that's very a, much. The blessing from the Lord. Of course, I also grew up on a farm, oh. so we had a lot of things to do there. We also had cousins and other family all around, We'd get together, grandparents' houses on uh some days, just one big happy family. One kid got sick. We all got sick. <laughs> That's how it goes. Were you happy growing up deaf? Oh, yeah. Of course, I never really thought of it as a bad thing. I'm deaf. Yeah, but of course, one story I didn't need to share. Back in the 1970s and 80s, they had that thing called a cochlear implant that was becoming more and more in the news. Uh, my father saw an advertisement in the parade section of the newspaper. My father was reading, and he came up, and he thought, hmm, she could become hearing with this thing. So he showed me the article, he had me read it, 
I was a teenager at that time. So I read it, and I said, Dad, do I look like I'm not happy? My father said, and he smiled, says, no. And he folded it. He never asked me again. So you have a twin sister. Do you see yourselves as being more different or, or more alike? We're really very similar. You know, she speaks and she hears. I don't. You know, sometimes, you know, I'd say, oh, you know, she can get together with a lot more people or she can hear the TV. Of course, back then, we didn't have the captions. I could, you know, I can't hear music. And so sometimes those thoughts come to mind. It's normal. Like, unlike anybody else. I didn't think anything was wrong with it. But of course, you have to understand, we're identical twins. And sometimes people have a hard a hard time distinguishing who is, who is me and who is my sister. <coughs> and we oftentimes would take advantage of that as well. <laughs> I'm sure. What were some of the challenges growing up deaf? Yeah. Well, sometimes I would feel isolated. I was by myself. Well, I didn't feel connected the way others, I thought others felt connected. That was a challenge. And not many people signed. They talked to me, and that was very hard, trying to distinguish different people, because not every talk, everyone talks the same way. Their lips look different. So that was frustrating growing up. That was a challenge. TV, that, there was limited. One fun thing about there not being captions was I could just sort of guess at what was going on. I'd act it out myself. For example, there was a movie. Everybody was watching it. There's uh, the deaf would get together, and sometimes they'd watch movies together. And other deaf, other hearing people might be around, but they'd laugh at things. And the hearing people are going, "Why in the world were they laughing at that? That's uh-huh. not funny." And then other times, the hearing people would laugh at things, and the deaf people, "Why are they laughing? Because that's not really funny." Yeah. And that's just an example of growing up deaf. That's interesting. Things, the things that I would not have thought of, but... Definitely. Deaf are visually catching what uh, hearing people might call slapstick or visually funny things that hearing people don't really think about and may not think as being funny. Whereas the hearing people, oftentimes, a lot of our humor is based on squeaky voices or a changing voice or something like that, and the deaf don't hear that, so they don't laugh at them. Yeah. And then there's also idioms, things that hearing people are idioms. You try and translate that, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Just like there are deaf idioms that really don't translate into hearing languages either. No, that's, I, I never thought of that, but that, that is, I mean, you see that if, you know, you're working with translating from one language to another, but I had not thought of it from a sign language to a written or spoken language. Oh, yeah. How did your parents and Christian leaders help you to see the, the, the challenges that you might face um, as opportunities to serve the Lord? My parents included me. I went everywhere where they went. I was even involved with choir and music. I wasn't voicing, of course. I was signing the things. In fact, her family, her brothers, her sister and cousin, they were singing church and singing, standing right next to their Next to her, next to them, signing the same song that their voice. But I, I was included in 
everything that everyone else wants. Of course, there were interpreters. My sister would help with that. They're writing notes back and forth. Of course, one of the family, the, the brothers and sisters and cousins, one of the fun things they enjoyed at church was they're all sitting together, oftentimes in the back, and one of the challenges was to see which cousin or brother or sister could make Sherry laugh. <laughs> there's no interpreter, so they're just doing things like normal kids. And if Sherry laughed, it was hard to hide that. Nice. <laughs> and everybody would look at us and, whoops, and I cut it out. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and how did you also become so skilled in various sign languages that are used in different places in the world? Again, sign languages, they're languages. And oftentimes there are very, there's similarities, the use of space, the hand shapes, facial expressions, the hand shapes or the way you repeat signs. I've also studied and I have a master's degree in teaching American Sign Language. It's a linguistics degree. Okay, I see. Now when I go to other countries, I can see they really are a lot of similarities to the sign languages, whereas the spoken languages, the written languages, are very different. And so it's much easier for me, and that's, again, that's something that God has given me, and that's one of the tools he's given me to be able to help others. Wonderful. So, yeah. Of so, understanding something, one of the myths that people think of is sign languages. Sign language is universal. No, very different. Um, if you were to see it, well, the sign in Russian, God is love. Well, the sign for what is or has in Russian is the American sign for stop. You right. can go on YouTube and find a lot of different signs in different languages. Just try to compare them sometimes. Hmm. How do you think unique challenges like yours can become strengths in God's service? I go back to Exodus, chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. I understand that God has made me, and he didn't make mistakes. Amen. I know that some parents say, oh, it's a shame. It was wrong that this should happen. But God has formed each of us the way he designed us. For his glory, he's made us all unique. This is actually what has brought me into relationship with me, with him. My parents accepted me the way I was, that I am his. And it, it helps people to realize, yeah, we are different. We are unique. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a knock against someone, but it helps to encourage others. I am deaf because I can reach other deaf people. Hearing people don't have that same opportunity. Now, hands may be waving. Just understand something. Just because a person is standing there 
waving their hands. And you may say, oh, they're interpreting. That doesn't mean it's clear. Go on YouTube sometime and look up Nelson Mandela funeral. Nelson Mandela, who was the president of South Africa, he died years later. And there was a memorial service. And President Obama was there. And many other world leaders were there. And there was a person standing. His hands were moving. Oh, it was wonderful, a lot of people thought. But deaf people around the world were watching and going, what is this idiot doing? That's not something. <laughs> In fact, a member of parliament who is deaf, a, a South African member of parliament who is deaf, was texting Get this idiot off. He's doing nothing but rubbish. <laughs> wow. So you have to understand, just because people people with good hearts are moving their hands around doesn't mean deaf people will understand. Sherry, how does the Imago Dei or the, the image of God help us understand people who face challenges that, that maybe uh, not everyone, uh, it's common to them? God made me the way he wants. He has made me the way he wants me to be. Now, being made in his image, all people are made in his image. So I'm not different from anyone else. That's but cool. I focus more on the fact that he made me the way he wanted me to be. Yes, that's great. And it, that doesn't mean a person should not change something if it actually helps their life. We're not, I'm not telling anyone what they should do. But for me, being born deaf, being raised deaf, I'm okay with that. I can speak as who I, God has made me to be. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank you. It is just, just reflecting on God's wisdom and his goodness that, in that, yeah. that you aren't different uh, yeah. than others, despite being not having the ability to hear. Um, that doesn't put you in a different category yeah. um, in that sense. But we have friends who have children who have mental challenges, developmental challenges, physical challenges, and we have seen parents love, raise their children in a good way. They didn't do exactly the way my family did it, but that's okay. God gave them wisdom, or they pulled in other resources, other people who, who had similar experiences that could help. But especially, we enjoy being on Instagram with friends and we see pictures and videos of children who are laughing and they're playing and they have what you describe as unique challenges. Their parents are doing a good job. And I think the key is that the parents accept the child for who they are. They love them. They embrace them. They cherish them. They encourage them to do what they can. I'm thankful that Jesus continues to love everyone. He doesn't exclude anyone from his love. And he has a purpose for every person. Yes. And he can help them in their challenges to know the truth, to know that Jesus loves them and cherishes them. What are some misunderstandings of unique challenges Christians sometimes have? I, I, you know, some people might ask, oh, can you read and write? Now that's, I understand the question, where it's coming from, 
But yes, I read and write very well. In fact, a lot better than some of the college students I taught. I would, uh, I would uh, read some of their essays, and I'm going, this child went to a high school and got a diploma? <laughs> uh -huh. so, but a lot of people assume, oh, they're deaf. Oh, they've not you know, learned to read and write. And there are a lot of people that do not read and write, but understand that 60% of hearing people around the world do not read and write. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about a big population. We live in community. We look for other deaf people. We have our own stories, our own culture, our own very common experiences. We have experienced what people refer to as oppression. Oftentimes, it's people who are wanting to help end up becoming like a parent. We don't need parents. No. We need peers, we need allies, we need friends, we need encouragers, but not someone to control us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, shame, shame. You know, there's what's called, there's an excellent book, you may want to look it up sometime, it's called The Mask of Benevolence. It's been written by a deaf man, or a hearing man, I'm sorry, hearing man, but it is well written, gives a lot of information, the experience of deaf people throughout history. There's a lot of, you know, deaf people that have written a lot of books as well. I've chosen to accept the way God has made me. How can Christians who, who face different kinds of challenges that, that may be particular to them or a smaller group of people, how can they show compassion to others who may be uninformed about those, those matters or even who are trying to be intentionally offensive to them? Sometimes you have to tell people, I'm okay the way I am. If you don't like me, that's your problem. <laughs> Other people, mm -hmm. for example, you know, there was a friend, and he is a friend, in the church where I served. I was sitting in the front, and he was in the choir loft getting ready to sing. And he wanted to tease me. He wanted to do a joke. And so he mouthed the words to me, can you read lips? And innocently I thought, and I nodded my head, yes. And then he stuck his tongue out at me. He was meaning it as a joke. But a lot of deaf people wouldn't accept that as a joke. That would be a grave insult. Just like asking the question, can you read and write, or can you read lips? That's oftentimes the first question people ask me is, can you read lips? And one of those things that people are oftentimes even easy. And even today, you know, we're seeing a lot of publicity about men and women. Men have done things that they should not have done, and some might say it was out of ignorance. I'll leave that to other people to decide that. But oftentimes people say things out of ignorance more than intent. Mm -hmm. So it's just saying, hey, I'm deaf. I'm not hearing impaired. Please don't expect me to have a placard on my chest saying I'm not hearing impaired. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oftentimes people say, oh, they're deaf and dumb. Oh, that word, dumb, just grates. Now, they may use the word mute, but even that really isn't acceptable. It's still seen as insult. And so that's where people who do know these things need to inform others. You've heard this now. It's on your shoulders now to tell your hearing people. Some people are called gatekeepers. These are people who are saying, I'm going to help deaf people. And you can't get to them except by going through me. Mm. 
I'm sorry, that's a great arrogant... No, you don't protect deaf people. Deaf people can take care of themselves. And even as children, we cannot protect them from every hurt. Because the hurts in life actually are what make them strong. The hurts, the disappointments. I, I know, you know some parents want to protect themselves. No disease can ever come close to my child. Well, when I grew up, when one cousin or one brother or sister got sick, we had a sleepover. If someone had measles, everybody came to the at the same time. Oh, yeah. And now, a lot of parents would say, no, you can't do that. Well, you'll have to judge for yourselves. Yeah. Parents, God never said, parents, you must protect your child from every hurt because you can't. You love your children the way you can. Mm-hmm. You mock to them. If you do something wrong, you apologize. Now, that's a hard thing for parents to do sometimes, but you have to do that. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Uh, now, how can... Communicate. Please communicate with your children. It's got to be two-way communication. Yeah. That's important, and that's where if there is a challenge, whether it's deafness or through other... You learn to communicate, and you don't say, well, I can't, so I'm stuck, so I won't know. Mm-hmm. You do whatever you can to communicate with your child. Yeah. How can all parents teach children to understand and love those with unique challenges? First, remember you're not God. Yes. <laughs> you cannot fix everything. In fact, oftentimes there's little that you can fix, just like with hearing children. Your hearing children will grow up and feel everybody's against me. Hey, every child feels that. You experience people being mean. Well, hearing children are mean to hearing children also. For us to try and protect them and prevent ever experiencing that, I don't think we're helping our children that way. Okay. But we teach them the same thing that Jesus taught. What did he say? Forgive. Love. Pray for them. Model this to them. Don't just tell them. Model them. Parents, be honest with your children. Share your frustration, your hurts. The problem oftentimes, parents want their children to think, Oh, I, I don't have any problems. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. We all have problems. How many times did you cry growing up? Can <laughs> you prevent that from your children too? <laughs> Absolutely. But we, like God, we walk with them through those problem things. When it happens, you don't make excuses for people. But you teach them the same way Jesus was teaching his followers. And Jesus was saying, hey, understand it. You're going to experience it. Yeah. You can't avoid it. Yeah, that's, that's wise words. I was reading this morning in Isaiah chapter 43. He was beaten beyond recognition. Jesus suffered through that. And he understands what these children are going like no one else can. Jesus understands. Tell your children, Jesus understands. 
good. He knows exactly what you're going through. That's great. Yeah, and in the heart of our faith, it's not a set of ideas or a philosophy. Um, it's directing people to a person. And, um, yeah, that's helpful. Amen. Sherry, how can churches be a welcoming place for everyone who faces uh, different sets of challenges, and especially children? I want to tell you a story. It was when I worked in Maryland as a U.S. 2 worker. The pastor would speak, and he didn't know who all it was, but he'd ask them to, to write out a visitor's card and put it in the offering plate. And then Mondays, he would visit these folks who came to visit. And he didn't know, he didn't necessarily know everybody, but he went into this one apartment complex and he knocked on the door and the door opened and he goes, hi, I'm, he mentioned his name. And then the lady went over and got pen and paper and brought it over to him and started writing to him and he goes, you can't hear me, can you? And she used the old charades thing, finger on the nose. You hit it on the nose, fella. And the pastor realized this woman's deaf. Okay. Then he thought, okay, how are we going to help the deaf in our community? So he started, there was no church in our association that had any kind of ministry with the deaf. Even though a half hour north of where College was at that time, so he contacted deaf, uh, deaf University, uh, Gallaudet University, and then asked folks in the, the church family, are there people that would be willing to try and learn how to learn sign language, stepped up to the plate. And so he put it out to the church community. Who could help in this situation? Got someone from Gallaudet to come teach some signs. He was more signed English at that time. But they, you know, he wasn't just going to let it drop. He put it out to the church family, as well as seeking other outside people who could help them connect with deaf people in the community. That's it. And one resource would be like Johnny, Johnny and Friends. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Johnny Erickson Tata, they have resources that are available, how churches can do these things. Don't do it for them. Do it with them. Many people have good hearts, oftentimes they have good heads. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm doing this for them. That really is condescending. It's, it, it, it can be interpreted. The people with the best intentions. Well, I'm doing this for them. If we just add one thing. Yeah. <clears throat> because we live in a culture where oftentimes children who are born deaf are not just marginalized, they're oftentimes hidden. Mm. Because they're seen as a curse of God. Yeah. We both have worked at schools for the deaf in America where for many years parents have felt guilty. What did I do wrong that my child was born deaf? Please, 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 please. Even if you've done something that was not wise, if you've done things, God is far greater than anything we can do. He does not mistake, make mistakes. Amen. He did not make a mistake in the way your child was born. He did not make a mistake in giving you to them as their parents. You are the people God wants to invest in your children's lives. You do not delegate it to other people. You will make mistakes. Hey, what happened? Jesus was at the temple, and he's in and all of a sudden, mom and dad come running up, 
son, where were you? Because for days, they lost it. Yeah. Oh, I should have learned. <laughs> parents lost God's son. <laughs> who, who was asleep at the switch? Parents knew what he was doing. The same with you, folks. Uh, well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you'd enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week and join us again every first and third Thursday. God bless.